Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where I speak to amazing and tantalizing people who inspire other comedians to live life on their own terms. Now, if you like this podcast, share it with your friends, subscribe and leave us a five star view on Amazon and iTunes. If it was not to your taste, keep it to yourself. Now, today's guest, he, his name is Benjamin Bello, or a.k.a. President Abonja, the president of laughs. He is an absolutely hilarious character comedian. He's, he has many stories to tell and is one of my favourite acts on the circuit. I think you guys are going to absolutely love him. And I think without further ado, let's talk to Ben. How are you doing, Ben? Marvin, thank you so much for such a wonderful and fantastic introduction. And... Uh... Thank you for having me, but also I didn't know I inspired other comedians <laughs> <laughs> to live their life. So I, I will I will add that uh, I'll add that to my CV. But thank you so much. <laughs> but yeah, just just tell us a bit about your story, Ben, because I mean there aren't many other African comedy dictators in the UK comedy scene. <laughs> well, you know what's really interesting is the pandemic uh and having not gigged for a year until i broke the 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 egg on monday i had the opportunity to perform with my alter ego on monday um a a lot of people don't really know my story don't really know me apart from knowing me as the guy who performs as the character comedian yeah and um well there's been uh, periods of reflection, uh, especially the fact that my alter ego had, had, you know, over the last 11 years or so, played an important part in my uh, my role as, as a comic, if that makes any sense to you, you know, but, but a major force uh, to be reckoned with and occupied and took most of my time uh, rather than so people don't know my story. They don't know anything about me. And I think to a certain extent, when they see me, they see President of Angela. I mean, I'll give you an example. On Monday, uh, I first time I took uh, the train into London and um, I had met this guy who knew I performed comedy as uh, President of Angela. And as soon as he saw me, because I didn't even recognize him anymore because he lost so much weight because he had COVID and I didn't even know. Um, and then he just said, you, you, you're, 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 the, you're, you're the Connell. <laughs> and I have to say to you, as much as I was pleased with the fact that he knew that, oh, that's the man in uniform who plays uh, uh, the African dictator, <laughs> I was more irritated by the fact that he said, oh, you're the Connell. Because... Uh, he was referring to Connell. I know he wanted to call me President Obonjo, but because he knew about the story about Connell Banjoko, he got mixed up and said, you must be the Connell. And I said, no, I'm not the Connell. I'm the guy who plays, uh, performs as, as President Obonjo. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, my story is, is, is very simple. Uh, I was born in Liverpool many, many years ago. Uh, spent five years in 
the United Kingdom before going back to Nigeria. And I was in Nigeria for at least another 20 years before coming to the UK in 1985. And uh, I have a father who is late. I have a wonderful mother who's still very much alive. Uh, we uh, come from a fa come from a family of eight. Three of my brothers are. Uh, one is in America. One is in the U, uh, U.S. Sorry, one is in America and one is in Nigeria. And a few of my brothers are here in, in England and my my sisters. Um, and I would say the the comedy thing happened long before anyone, long before industry people could review me. Um, and I'm not being big headed here. My father was my reviewer. Uh, at, very age, at, at the age of five, my father used to say to me, oh, Bankole, which is my uh, Nigerian name, um, you are so funny. I remember him saying that, you, you, you are so funny. I, I love taking you around with me on car journeys because you make me laugh. And that resonated with me for a long time, uh, but I didn't know what that actually meant. I just knew that I was the, 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 the clown of the family. I was the one that everyone wanted to be around with where there's a party because I'll always be you know, very playful more than anything else. And then I also remember him saying after I left secondary school that, um, uh, that I had a great broadcasting voice and that I should uh, end up uh, 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 as a broadcaster. And he wanted me to start interviewing people and we, we went to a, a place where I could um, study journalism, but I, I wasn't really interested at the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just got on with life more than anything. You know, life, life, takes, life takes us in, in different directions. Um, and I didn't start performing comedy until 20, 2010, uh, but I always knew that I wanted to do something totally different. I remember talking to someone a while back on my podcast and he said, oh, because uh, I, I, I interviewed as, as my alter ego. And he said, your brain is wired somewhere else. It's just really wired. And, and I think what he meant by that is I've always wanted to create something unique. I've always wanted to create something independent. I, I, I don't see myself as a follower. I admire people who are able to make, to start something and influence others, if that makes sense. You know, just check what I call change agents, you know, and that has always been my, my battle that, you know, I know comedy is done in a certain way, but I want to do it differently. I have my own voice. I don't want you to tell me how to do comedy. I know, yeah, there are comedy schools. I know there are comedy techniques. I, I genuinely just threw myself into into comedy and decided that look let me see where it takes me you know so I, I i regard myself as an accidental comic you know it wasn't done intentionally i just went into it and i and i enjoyed it and i and i have never ever looked back people always say oh why, why don't you perform as your as yourself rather than perform as uh, an alter uh, alter ego or, or, or character comedian as they as they call it um they, they say Marvin, that we are prisoners of our own background. And uh, for me, uh, I, when I was raised in Nigeria, I was raised, raised under dictatorship rule. 
most of the time that I was in Nigeria, we had military coups and military regimes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you can imagine in my subconscious mind, my view of leadership is to be a dictator, is to be in uniform. It's not, it's not the, 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 the civilian way of leadership. It's more, you have to be in the army, discipline, you know, structure, uh-huh. routine. And so when I, when I started performing in 2010, uh, I started, I, I don't know why I didn't do what they call straight stand-up and start performing as myself. I just decided, yo, President Obonjo, uh, because Obonjo was a nickname from a late friend. And this late friend of mine, once again, was someone who saw what I didn't see in me. So before he died, he used to come to my house and then say to me, Oh, Ben, you, are, you call me Obonjo. You, you are wasted. You should be uh, a public speaker. You should, you, should, you, should be, you should do comedy. You know, he saw all those things that I, I didn't see in myself. Um, even though I knew that it was there. But, you know, you, people just see things that you don't, you don't necessarily see. And, and it was very prominent for him. And he used to say, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should be doing. And... Uh, Bless him, he's not around. And actually, he was the one who inspired me after he died. I made I, I made a you know a commitment that you Abe, you 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 said I was funny, you said, you know, I should be comedian. I'm going ahead and doing this. The act is has a love lovable uh dimension to it. I think what really takes people aback is for those who don't know the act, is uh, he goes on stage and he performs and you're expecting the act to be a brutal dictator, but it happens to be a very lovable, cordable. I, I remember doing a show uh, uh, in Camden two years ago and this Italian guy came to me and basically said, I don't really love dictators, but I just love your dictatorship. <laughs> 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 you know, so and, and those are the sort those sort of comments and the feedback are the sort of things that inspire me to want with, with, to, to a certain extent. I feel you know because you know you know what it's like you know in terms of comedy uh, to be a success to be to be seen as a successful comedian, you have to be seen to be a life of the Apollo. You've got to have an agent. Do you understand what I'm saying? It all depends yeah. on your measure of success. My measure of success for my comedy was I wanted to create something so good and, and, and something unique that everybody would remember. That was my measure of success. When the BBC Studios and E4 thing happened, that put it to another level because that meant that, oh, I created this thing and someone has tried to nick it off me. Is that not success, Marvin? As far as I'm concerned, yeah? I think it well I mean when when they tried to take basically rip off your idea it yeah. was a massive sort of it was a bit like an underdog story in that the big person tried to bully the small person and take credit for your idea yeah. but you managed to get galvanized support from the comedy community yeah. and stop them from doing it and that's yeah. often you don't hear those stories you hear they they take credit for someone else's idea the bigger and then they take take it and i think in some and in a way what what could have started off as a loss for you end up being a massive win you got a malcolm hardy award mm-hmm. you got a lot of attention from agents and it boosted mm-hmm. your profile yeah so yeah. 
yeah, yeah. But but I would I wouldn't I wouldn't wish I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I mm. genuinely wouldn't wish that on anyone because it was such a very stressful um, experience. Because for me, it wasn't just about the fact that if if they had succeeded in uh, doing the show, that every time I went on stage as my alter ego, people would think that I stole the idea of BBC. But as you know, it wasn't even just that, it's just the sacrifices that I had made over the years. You know how consuming comedy is. And to have done it for about 10 years and to almost see um, it taken away from you, felt like, oh, wow, you've really wasted 10 years when you could have been doing something else. Do you understand what I'm saying? That was, that was the greatest, um, the, the greatest challenge. And of course, yes, there, there, was the, there was the five minutes of fame. There was the, you know, everyone knew <laughs> President Bonja. And, and, and for a while, it was, it was even up till, up until six months ago, in short, it's become, it's become almost like a part of comedy history. Uh, and even at times when I just want to forget about it and not even talk about it, is either people ask me about it or it's a case of, uh, maybe someone has just decided, oh, we're going to steal something, or there's a joke theft, or whatever. They would always say, oh, they're trying to do an ambonjo on that particular person. So it's all oh. <laughs> So I, I can never, ever get away from the fact that that happened, and people will always remember it, and it's out there. But for me, that is also success in itself. Yeah, I mean, you, you did win, but I think there's, I think it'll be, a, I think there's part of hurt there from your side, and I think maybe it'll take maybe a few more years before you're completely over it. Even though you won and it's been successful, there's part of you that's hurting from it. Uh, well, I would say hurting. I think, I think perhaps maybe it's, it, it's for me. It was I'd, I've written a show about it called Stolen, uh, yeah. which is called yeah, it's Stolen, and it's the, uh, it's it's. I've done previews of it, and even though it's not been live, it's been on Zoom, the response has been great. Uh, the concept is great. Um, and I genuinely wanted to use that show as a way to just have closure, if that makes sense. Uh, so it would have featured in Edinburgh last year, but because it didn't happen last year, I moved it to this year, uh, but I'm not going this year, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it in, in uh, other fringe festivals. and. I will see how I feel after that, but there's, there's still, I want people to hear the story because people don't know what it was like. People want, people need to understand what it's like when that sort of thing happens to you. Yes. And I'm grateful for the support that I got from the comedy community, but you know, there were some really dark places that I had to go through during that period. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that would actually there's people that will say people who are ignorant on that and they'll say things like oh it's a compliment to you when someone copies you or like they say this and that but they've not been through what you've been through and that's yeah, and, and i think that's why i said i i wouldn't wish it on my worst i wouldn't wish wish it on my worst enemy not that i have any enemies but just as a saying i wouldn't i don't want any comic i don't want any comic to go through what i had to go through because don't forget that that period um, I call myself a one-man band comedian, if that makes sense, because I don't have an agent, I don't have a PR person. So everything that I did 
in response to in response to what happened in July 2019 was based on what I thought I needed to do. There was no, it wasn't like I had uh, an agent to advise me or, or a PR person to advise me. Um, yeah, but that's 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 the past. That it's 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 wonderful to be able to talk to talk about it, and, and and it's wonderful to be able to have written a show. And I'm hoping that I'll have the opportunity to actually say what it felt like on stage uh, with my alter ego. Hmm. So um, what else can I say about myself? Yeah, that that's really, yeah, an accidental comic uh, who, who also performs, I perform as myself, but the, 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 the thing, the challenge has been, uh, even I, I, I've, I've, I've tried performing for you as, as myself and you say, no, I want the president. I don't want you. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! <laughs> well, I think because you're, I think it's because you're more well known for for that alter ego. But yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still you that's doing the comedy. It's just like it's it's you it's you that's there. It's, it's like a, the president's just like a segment of you or like a yeah, 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 side but, of but, you. Yeah, but, but when when you when you started this podcast, you spoke. What you your question was about or getting to know me. Yeah. But there's so many stories that I haven't shared about myself. A lot of what I say as my alter ego is very, is fictional, as you know. You know, it's really fictional stuff. And that's, that's where the difference is between performing as an alter ego and because you're an only too old. Because I, I, you know, you, I think you make it more difficult as a character comedian because you are trying to create things that are not real. If that makes sense, compared to when you're a straight, you know, a straight stand-up, you could just, you know, you could do, you know, you could do observational jokes or whatever, whatever you you want to do, and you can talk about yourself. And I haven't, I've had that opportunity. I mean, there's a video of me performing at Top Secret uh, as my. A good example is Top Secret won't book me as President Bonjo. They'll book me as me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and I enjoyed it. That, that, that moment of just being on stage and talking about myself and not having anything to do with President Obonja is, 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 is a wonderful thing, but I, there's no way I will ever kill President, President Obonja as a character because it's, apart from the fact that I enjoy it, it's also well-loved with audiences. I mean, but you you do combine the two occasionally because I think I, I remember seeing a show where you put elements of both in together. Yeah, that was for the show called President Obonja Stole My Identity, where I did 45 minutes and I did, thank you so much, I did lots of previews um, and that show was really successful. Yeah, and, and that's what's yeah. really interesting about, you know, I'm not, I don't regard myself as stubborn. I just regard myself as an independent person. And I remember when I did, I, I remember I did the first preview at your at your club in Hammersmith at the time, and for those who don't know, President Obonja stole my identity. Is forty five minutes of President Obonja, and then fifteen minutes of me revealing myself, and that's where I break out of character. And I remember I was criticised by quite a number of people who said, "Oh, you shouldn't break out of character. You should just stay in character, stay in character throughout, stay in character." Um, but they didn't get the fact that what I was wrestling with at the time was the fact that, yes, President Obonja wanted to perform, but I also wanted to perform. How could I have an hour 
of President Obonjo without me not even showing my face. And 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 that that show got a five star review because the view was wow. They weren't expecting me to break out of character, but not only were they expecting me not to break out of character, it was just mental because it was just that that process. I think you've seen the show before where I moved from president to Benjamin. And I start accusing President Obonjo of things that he does in my family, sleeping with my wife, my children, driving my car, spending my money. You know, it's mental. It is really, it's really mental stuff that, that people were not expecting. And it was, a, it was, it, it, it probably, it probably raised my, I know it raised my profile doing that show. And if I hadn't broken out of character, I don't think he would have got the, the, um, the response that he got from the reviewers and from audiences. Because, because of the big surprise and you experimented. Yeah, because, yeah and comedy, comedy is about a twist, isn't it? Comedy is about, but you know, I, I, wasn't having, I wasn't having a mental health breakdown, but one of the reviewers genuinely thought that I was having a mental health breakdown by just <laughs> switching, by switching from, 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 <laughs> from president to Benjamin. See, it's funny that you said that you talk about the risk because I had um, John Gordillo on the podcast mm -hmm. and he spoke about you and he said um, when people try and tell you to do things a certain way or they criticise you as a comic, they're dealing with their own insecurities. And okay. it's, I mean, it's, it's we're all we're all on our own journey and we should do yeah. our own thing. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts on that? When, Hold on, for people that. Did you say John mentioned me? I spoke to John on the podcast about okay. your, because I was trying to talk about different kind of comedians, yeah, different kinds mm -hmm. of acts. And then mm -hmm. I spoke later on in, in the podcast, I spoke about certain things that happen in comedy, about sometimes people are very fixed on comedy being a certain way. And yeah. what you said there about people trying to say that you're mad or this and mm -hmm. that is yeah. an example of people saying that things have to be a certain way. Yeah, and what he said. I, I, I think. I think for me, the, the things that the, the things that the, when I look when I look at the, the the characteristics of what makes a comedian. When I say makes a comedian, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about their material now. I'm not talking about their performance. There are a couple of things that I think um, work against a comedian. One is the constant validation from others, and yeah. so if you're an insecure person already and you don't have confidence comedy will kill you if you are not independently minded comedy will kill you if you're always constantly thinking about reassurance comedy will kill you if you are always looking at um how others are doing and they're doing better than you comedy will kill you for me i've always said and this is something that i had as an idea that even before you start teaching people how to be funny you've got to give them you've got to teach them about uh resilience uh, about confidence about believing in themselves about creating their own voice I, and i hear this a lot about oh you have to have your own voice but you want to have your own voice that is unique what makes it different what makes what you do different and also uh, I remember when I first started and, and someone used to say to me, oh, but do it this way. I said, no, I want to break the rules of comedy. 
I am me. This is who I am. So it's either people accept it or they don't. And if that stops me from progressing, fine. But I am happy the way I am. So being independently minded is really, really important. So yes, I agree with John in terms of you finding your own voice. Yes. Obonjo is Obonjo. Obonjo is not Mavin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Obonjo is not Joe Lysus or Obonjo is not Michael McIntyre. Obonjo is not Regina D. Hunter. Regina D. Hunter is Regina D. Hunter. So why can't Obonjo be Obonjo? Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's why, for example, one of the things I did when I was studying how people did their comedy, uh, it, it, you, you, I'm sure you know this, that there used to be, I don't, don't know if they'd say it anymore, but one of the things I said to myself, I will never ever say when I get on stage, that was because I was independently minded. And this is not to do with criticizing how comedy courses uh, people are thought comedy. Is the first thing the comic will say is, it's nice to be here. Hello. A dictator won't tell you it's nice to be here. He's left his home to come and perform yeah. for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I flipped it around. I, I, I just genuinely thought the only way, and it's competitive. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's what is your own unique selling point? I really feel strongly about this. And this is where comics, some comics end up having breakdowns because they haven't really thought about the 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 separate the comedy what are you as a person are you a confident person yeah are you resilient is your life together outside comedy because that's really really important what's your support mechanism like before you go into comedy if you're a vulnerable person and you're going into comedy Ooh. do you understand where i'm coming from it's gonna kill you it's gonna it's not for you comedy is not for it's not for you. And I don't care who gets offended by this. You really, you, you almost like, I, I almost, almost think that what you need to do before you actually go on a comedy course is do a self-assessment of yourself. What are you like as a person? It's, you basically said that um, it's a bit like, um, yeah it's a bit like you basically described it a bit like a driving test in a way like comedies let me let me out like you're saying like you have the theory and you have the practical and you're yeah. saying that yeah before people you're saying that people should be tested before they do comedy <laughs> no 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 no. i'm not saying no, i'm, I'm, not, saying, I, I, no, I'm, I'm not saying that you, i'm not yeah but i know what you mean but i'm not saying that they should be tested but i think they need to test themselves because i think people take for granted what is because Look at the pandemic, for example. The pandemic is a good example. Yeah. Even though it's devastated the comedy industry, there are still comics out there who have positive, successful stories to share. Things that have happened. Things mm. have happened for some comics in the pandemic before the pandemic. There are comics who got signed. There are comics who, who, who ended up on TV. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the pandemic was a change. It was, it was, it was a, it was a, a, a real transformation. It was about how, how you as a person can adapt to change. And not everyone can adapt to change. Those who were able to adapt to change and embrace change hit the ground running. Those who were not together with it mentally, and it happens, took their time before they could even 
think about what they wanted to do during the pandemic. Some never actually recovered from it. Some are still going through that process mentally. Do you understand what I'm saying? That Because we're all different human beings. But yeah. what really, because the, 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 for me, it's, it's the vulnerable ones that get, you know, they're the ones who get bullied. They're the ones who, they're the ones who, who people take advantage of. So you really need to be, if, if, if a new comic came to me, if someone came to me and said, oh, I want to be a comic. I said, okay, put the comic, as, you want to do comedy, okay, that's fine. What are you like as a person? Do you have resilience? If you haven't got resilience, go and develop resilience. If you haven't got confidence in yourself, go and de develop confidence. If you haven't got the ability to understand that you will get rejected, yeah? And you haven't got the skills on how coping mechanisms to deal with rejection, go and start developing it. If you go to places where you can perform and you do very, very well and you still don't get booked again, that's almost like rejection because the comedy promoter thinks, yeah, you did well, but you know, you're not playing in my club because I don't like your material. How do you deal with that? Yeah. It's almost like you must have, it's almost like a psychological thing. You almost, almost need a, 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 a school of psychology that prepares you before you actually do a comedy course. You do that assessment. And then you pass the assessment, as you rightly pointed out, then yeah, we release you to the world, go do comedy. So when someone says to you, okay, fine, you send as many emails as possible and nobody's booking you or you can't get gigs or you've just done a gig and the gig is great, but you, you, you know you've done well, not because you're deluded, but you're still not getting booked or you're able to deal with, yeah, I, 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 I've been performing comedy for about 10 years, but this person has been doing comedy for three years, all of a sudden, boom, he's on TV. How, who teaches you how to deal with that? Yourself. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's it's effectively yeah, it's it's a bit like going in a business agreement or something with with thousands of pounds in the line without knowing what's what the full impact of everything you do is gonna happen. No, the impact is the impact is unbelievable. And and people were in for a root shock in the pandemic. Everyone established, non-established, uh amateurs, beginners. You remember that hashtag called Save Life Comedy? Yeah. I'm sure you remember that. that. That was launched during the pandemic. My view is that every single person, no matter where you are in your comedy career, contributed towards the comedy industry. Be it a, a TV comic, open mic comic, every audience member, an audience member will go to an open mic comedy sh show. Yeah, bad or good, whatever. They'll see comedy there. They'll watch TV. They'll see every single person contributed towards the comedy industry yeah yeah your yeah. club your club did yeah there's so many other comedy clubs where top acts come to go and try new material before they move on and go somewhere else that's all part of save life comedy the whole yeah the whole infrastructure the whole, the whole, yeah but what you now have it's the whole thing it's collapsed it's it just literally collapse and it's going to take a while for it but who's taking care of those comics who are vulnerable who haven't got the, the the mental strength to deal with change who are who's helping those who cannot adapt 
rightly or wrongly, because they've all contributed to save live comedy. Yeah, it's a funny thing. What you said there is a bit like with pubs, pubs getting shut down after lockdown. Like there are already some people, some pubs that are on the precipice of going down or staying, and that this sort of thing pushed them over. And what you're saying with comedians who aren't quite equipped in certain areas, this thing will just push them right over the edge of either quitting or just completely losing it up the stairs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I when I first started, someone said, "Oh, you need you got three hundred. Well, you have too many comedians." You hear people talk, "Oh, there are too many comedians. There are too many comedians." Yeah, there might be too many comedians for the way you want them to do comedy. Yeah, but there are not yeah. too many comedians where they want to create something unique and different. Because audiences, I have to say this: audiences are bored of saying the same old manufactured comedy. But the one thing that's good about now times now is that just because you don't get signed on TV or you don't get that, like you can in some ways with social media control your own destiny. That's, yeah, yeah, you can. That's the it's, good thing about it. Yeah, it's much harder, but now it's even, I think it's, it's, it's easier. You just need to have a strategy in place. I mean, yeah. one of the things that comics don't like saying is, oh, uh, uh, when, when I talk, so when I talk about President Obonjo, I actually see President Obonjo as a brand. Yeah? I know some yeah. comics don't enjoy describing their acts as a brand. But actually, if you use the brand approach to your comedy, not necessarily on stage, but in terms of, your, in terms of your, how you market yourself, I think what I'm trying to say is that if you're on social media, what is the pop? What is your purpose on social media? Is it to promote what you do? Is it to promote your brand? Is it to have a moan about how well you're not doing? Because once you're already, what, what my view is that as a comic, once you're already on social media, you're already a brand. You might not have many audiences or fans, but you're building up. So you have to be careful what you put on social media because it affects your brand. Yeah. Well, you're right, because so many times, like you see celebrities, like they'll say they're this and that, and then someone will go through their history three or four years ago and find a post or tweet that doesn't fit with the brand they put for themselves. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. But you know, it, you, you're, you're absolutely right, and 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 there are there are. I think what I think what the pandemic has done is um, two things. One is uh, less of the gatekeepers. Yeah, not everyone. I think people need to recognize not not every comic is going to be on TV. Yeah, yeah. Not every not not every comic is going to be on radio. Not every not every comic is going to get acceptance from the industry. So yeah. if you, uh, from the gatekeepers, and if you can recognize that, and you can recognize that you're not part of that circle, but you still enjoy comedy, you can still have a wonderful, fantastic journey in comedy. Yeah. But, but, but that's where the links are in terms of the characteristics. What makes a human being ready for comedy? Is the resilience, being independently minded, not worrying about validation, you know, being strongly, in, in, strongly independently minded. 
and being clear in your mind that yes, this is where I want to be. This is this is I actually enjoy this and I want to continue to do this. And this is how I want to do my comedy. Because I, at one point I said to myself, if I didn't have the 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 way audiences were responding to me, then I probably would have given up. Yeah, you, yeah. But I know. Yeah, but but the fact that audiences, yeah. and I'm not talking about gatekeepers now, audiences actually are responding and love the act. What does that actually say? That there's room. There, there's the, there's the, 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 you know the market. The, the, it's a huge market. You just have to find your own unique selling point. Yeah. It's yeah. It's I think what you said there about everything you're saying that. Yeah, there are a certain number of people that get into comedy for the wrong reasons and yet you're definitely right like i think what what comedian as long as you're getting laughs you can you can definitely achieve the point where you can have your own audience and travel and do your own tours and I, I isn't that I, enough that's enough yeah, isn't it but but exactly that's that that and that that's the point but but you know it's it, it's 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 really difficult to build an audience i mean i, I give you an example Two weeks ago, because uh, I use my fan page a lot, I decided I was going to do, a, I, I felt like just doing some new material. I'd written it and I wanted to get some feedback from my audience. And I say my audience, because I know I have fans who follow me. So I just posted something on my Facebook page, fan page. And I said, uh, it was around 9.50. Oh, I feel like doing some new material tonight. Is anyone free? It's going to be around 10 o'clock. Uh, someone responded and said, oh, I'm free and I will bring some people. Before I knew what was happening, nine people had joined me at 10 o'clock for something that I had advertised at 9.50. And I had people there watching me do new material. Okay, fine. It's not live comedy, but it's new material. Hmm. I know for a fact, in order for me to do new material in a live scene, I would have, have to book yeah, wait yeah. for a response, whether I got the gig or not. Yeah, then travel to the place <laughs> and travel back. Do you get you get where I'm coming from? You know, yes. I just bypassed all that to have 10 people one night watching me perform new material. And that's why you're saying that promoters shouldn't just go straight for straight gigs because they need yeah. to adapt. Yeah, and they need to adapt. But I know that there, 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 I know there are comics who 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 are doing their own tours, who are just basically just okay, fine. You won't accept me in the industry. I'm just going to do my thing, build my audience. Because what, what? Because what? Why would I come? Why would it? Why? Why would I come to your club? They're your audience, yeah. So you're running a Friday night gig somewhere they've never heard of president of bonja i perform and then they're following me on twitter they want to know more yeah they've yeah. become my audience and in time they become your fan so you know i think people just need to be clever but it's also down to that bit about validation if you're a sort of comic who wants to belong who feels validation is the key for you, you cannot do it independently. You need to be part of that circle. 
So that's why I said, you need, it's almost like a, I'm sorry, it's almost like a psychometric test. It's almost like you applying for a job and you've got to do a psychometric test. What is your personality like? Hmm. What's in here? Not nothing. There's... Yeah, and this is not about the material now. This is not about whether you're a good comic or a bad comic. What what is your what is your psychology? Hmm. Well, one of the things that I found quite interesting, the lesson that I've learned myself uh, during the lockdown, and I've had a look at it. I think you've got to understand you've got to understand people as you got to understand. So one of the things that used to get me down a bit was, um, and this is being honest, um, yeah, I did sometimes get upset with other comedians doing well, but when, you know, I, I was a bit affected by some of the stuff that comedians used to say, but now that I'm a bit more aware of it, I know what's going on from their side mm -hmm. and from my side, and I'm more comfortable myself. It doesn't affect me that much. Mm -hmm. I understand what's going on. And that's what you mean by like the psychometric, you've got a would you say also not only just being sort of resilient and strong, but also trying to be aware of things and maybe having yeah, that time to I, I think? think I, yeah, I think you need to be you you need you you need to be emotionally intelligent and you need to practice mindfulness. Yeah, I think very very, very, very important. I mean, for example, a good example is, like I said, I did a gig on Monday. One of the things I used to do, as you know, is every time I performed. I would always write about it. <laughs> I'd be so, you know, I'd be so emotional. Oh, I've just done this game, blah, 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 blah. And, I, you know, I write stuff about it because I was so excited. But come Monday, I did well, but I wasn't really going to write stuff about it, to be honest with you. I just didn't feel, it's not like, it's not like I've lost excitement. I just feel, wow. I did that for so many years and during the pandemic, I, during the pandemic, when I say during the pandemic, that period where there was a lockdown and we weren't performing, I got to know more about myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? I didn't have anything to write on a Friday or Saturday to say, oh, guess what? Marvin, I've just been to a gig, I smashed it. <laughs> so it just made me reflect, what the hell? What, what, what am I, why am I writing? Oh, I've just smashed this gig. Does that make sense? It's, yeah, you know, the, 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 and that's, that's all, I think for me, that's all part of growth because you wouldn't see the likes of Chris Rock unless it was something really important. So I don't know, maybe he did. When Chris Rock um, uh, hosted the, the, what's it called, uh, the, the Oscars, yeah. After he did it, did he go on Twitch to say, oh, guess what? I smashed the Oscars. <laughs> or did it let other people talk about him? Yeah, and tweet about it rather than, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Because. Ah, uh, yeah, because it, it looks better if you just leave it alone, let people spread yeah. the word or say that, about yeah, things let, rather let, than you let, say let, it. Yeah, yeah, let the people spread the word and then you can then say, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Because you know deep down that you smashed the bloody place. You know you smashed the gig. So why do you have to write about it? But if they do say you smashed the gig, you say, damn fucking well I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. But, you know, look, look, the, the, the thing about it is that, I, like I said, that, that one year of not performing, 
I got to know I I got to know myself as a human being rather than as a comedian. Yeah. And I know that's very, very deep. But I think when you become a comedian, there's certain things that happen to you that changes your behavior and the way you see things. So all this self-promotion thing now, I just feel very uncomfortable with it. I just feel I just need to do what I need to do, perform. If people like it, let them go and write about it. Just enjoy it. Just and just enjoy it. it. Yeah, and just enjoy it. So you mentioned a lot of things. I mean, there's so like the, from what you said there, I've got like three questions that I want to ask that and I oh, think please, it's gonna please go ahead. Please go ahead. <laughs> so one of the things you meant so so one of the questions I want to look at is because you got it's interesting here because I want to look at how do you write for yourself and how do you write for a bonjour and how do you put it together and one of the things that you said there about well, I mean we've said this throughout the podcast about mm. finding your own thing mm. and one thing that I want to say to you is who are people that in the UK that sort of represent that apart from Jerry Sadowitz or um Daniel Kitson, because I hear also there's in Boston there's quite a few comics that lived that sort of life. What life? What do you mean? What do you mean? What life? In Boston, uh, through speaking to a few American comics, they say that there's Boston comedians who have a massive fan base that's mm -hmm. local to them, but they're not on TV. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. they follow them everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there was someone I, you know. Uh, there was someone who spoke to me this week because we were talking about um, fringe fringe shows taking place, and I was having a chat about and how to market them. And one of the things he said that he knew about the act is the fact that the act has a fan base, yeah, and and has loyal fans. And I said, okay, who else does that? Who else do you think does that within? The industry, and then he mentioned Stuart Lee, uh, yeah. and he, he mentioned Stuart Lee because I've been to Stuart Lee's gigs. They got they go there because they want to see Stuart Lee. Yeah. So, but but I don't know. I don't, I don't know whether that is a good example. But all I can say is that I know that there are comics who are finding a way of building their audience slowly but surely. And those people are following them all over the mm. place. And, and I think that's, like I said, not everyone's going to have the support mechanisms of having an agent or having a PR person. So you've got to fight, especially if you enjoy it and if you enjoy interacting with your fans. So one of the things that uh, I do, as you know, is <laughs> I remember someone saying this, what made me think that, oh my, it looks like this person has a problem. Said, oh, you by the way, you know, you should only do President Bonjo on stage. You shouldn't be interacting with your fans while you're off stage. <laughs> <laughs> Did you but tell them to fuck off? Actually, if I didn't engage with my audience, my fans during the pandemic, how else would I have been able to keep in touch with them? I have been taken aback by the number of Zoom gigs that I've done where you have audiences that are, you know, 
physically can't leave the house because they have one kind of illness or the other. Yeah. And you, you never think, you, I never thought about it before the pandemic that if you're disabled, how do you actually get to a gig? You know, those people have enjoyed seeing their acts on Zoom. So I believe it's a hybrid of, of um, people who want to watch comedy live and those who will continue to remain at home to watch comedy. And if you're a, uh, a change agent, if you are the sort of person who adapts very quickly, you will tap into that market. Uh, I even heard a couple of weeks ago that some comedy promoters were saying that they won't offer Zoom gigs anymore. I think that's a mistake uh, because it doesn't offer accessibility to those who are vulnerable, those who can actually have access to going to comedy clubs. Hmm. What's going to happen in 2022? Who knows? Well, the focus is if we've learned anything at all, or what I have learned, because I'm not a comedy promoter, is take each day as it comes. And yeah, you've got to plan in advance. You've got to plan your shows in advance. Uh, but we know the government has messed up several times. We know for a fact that the Indian variant is out there. And it, there's a question mark about lifting the restrictions on the 21st of June. But that shouldn't stop you from doing what you need to do in terms of you know, planning ahead and doing your shows. Because, you, you know, we've got to be optimistic. You know, we've got to plan ahead. Um, and, yeah, so I'm pleased for the industry that at least there's light at the end of the tunnel and people are going to get a chance to gig. Are you going to do the Edinburgh Fringe? Uh, I would, I'm not doing the Edinburgh Fringe this year. I, I, I had the opportunity to do the... Um, sorry, this thing keeps falling over. Um, I had the opportunity to do the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, I got a room, uh, but I pulled out because I just thought, and this was before they made their decision about the restrictions. Sorry about this. I think what I'm going to do, um, I think I'm going to try and find a way. Bear with me. But this is all part of, um, yeah, uh, it's okay now. Yes. So I'm going to, I, I generally think that. Um, yeah, I'm not, doing, I'm not doing the fringe. I'm not doing the fringe this year. Uh, and I don't think there will be a fringe. I think it'll be online. Um, but I'm not within the inner circle to know what, what's actually going on. I, 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 just, I just made a decision that I wasn't doing the fringe. It was too much, too much of a risk to, to do it live. And uh, as you know, the fringe, it attracts tourists, you know? Um, and it's May. And uh, so I'm looking forward to doing it online. I've got a few um, fringe festivals, uh, Hastings Fringe, Brighton Fringe that I'll be involved in. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, nice. It's it's gonna be. Oh, I mean, I I may watch, come to watch a couple of shows just to pop down and see what's happening, see how the everyone's adapting to it. Well, you in Edinburgh Fringe? No, just just the Hastings, Brighton, and maybe Edinburgh as well, just to see what they do with all no. these restrictions. It, 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 look, you know, what's really important uh, for me, and um, I can only speak for myself, is I've heard people say that uh, because I haven't gigged for six months or I haven't gigged for nine months, uh, that uh, you're likely to be rusty. And that, to a certain extent, is true. It's almost like you playing football 
for a while and you start playing football, you know, you, you, you got to practice uh, every day or whenever you can, but practice it so you have some consistency in terms of your approach and that you're confident in terms of your material. Um, but what I can say is on Monday, when I went back on stage, um, I felt like someone who hadn't driven a car for a while and then just found the car, started the engine, put it in gear, and I drove. Yeah. And you didn't <laughs> you didn't make any mistakes like going to from third to first. <laughs> no, no, there were, there, were no, there, were no, there were no mistakes. There were probably I think for me it was more about the fact that I I knew that there wasn't anyone judging me, because don't forget that it's a two-way process. As much as we as comedians have been out of this practicing for uh, a long time, audiences as well, especially comedy lovers, they don't. They are also nervous. They, they, they. they I'm sure there were people out there who were, because I was the first act. I was the first person to open the show, and so I think some audiences have forgotten what it's like to be at a live gig. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? So it was almost like the best way to describe it was like you have a, a, a balloon and you just put a pin and it, it, it busts, basically. Just a sense of relief. Do you understand what I'm saying? So why would you want to judge yourself on, oh, I better do very well? Because the expectations are very, very low. Just the fact that you're performing on that day mm-hmm. is enough. So even if my views are, even if you don't kill it, and you die, even though I didn't, that's not the end of the world. It's the first gig since how many months? And you know, we comedians are so um, hard on ourselves and we judge ourselves badly and unfairly. And so for me, it wasn't a case of, oh, I've got to make them laugh, even though I did make them laugh. For me, it was more about getting back on stage getting to see how it feels, whether I still actually love doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I know there are people who, because they've not been doing it for months, have just decided, no, I'm not doing it anymore. Like, this is it. That's the end. I've had enough. So, you know, there are, lots of, there are lots of emotions. So it's not just about making people laugh because it's your first gig. Are you comfortable doing it? Do you enjoy doing it? What was the reaction? You know, well, you know, we, you know what we all have to go through as comedians before we actually hit that stage. And what was important was the fact that I was the first person to open that show, first, and probably the first, the first comic those audiences would have seen in months. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I suppose the good thing with the first, you get rid of the nerves first, and you don't doesn't build up whilst you're waiting to get on. No, I, I was so relieved when I. When I did what I did, <laughs> I have to say, I was so I was so relieved. I went on, did my stuff, and and yeah, and I I'll, I'll admit that the 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 it's not like I forgot my material. It was more about the structure and how to structure because there were things that happened in the room, and you know me, you've seen me perform before, yeah. and I will never ever ignore things that happen in the room, no matter how uh, ready your set is, and there were just things that you had to acknowledge. And, and things happened. But, yeah. you know, good thing is I didn't die. I left I left knowing that, wow, I still have it. I actually left feeling that, wow, I'd spent 
quite a number of years running around the country performing. You know, Marvin, I was busy performing everywhere. And it dawned on me that perhaps some of the reason why I was, apart from the fact that I was busy, was the fear that if I wasn't practicing, then I stopped being funny. Now, now you've given me another question. <laughs> because now, now you've made me think of, like you're breaking down the wall on things when you say yeah. things like that. Because you, I mean, if you're from the lower levels, when you, I mean, you've gigged with Reginald the Hunter, so the yeah, myth yeah. isn't that big there. Yeah. But I mean, like, you, you, you get a myth. Like you see mm. that like being on TV or having a big mm. crowd is like a million miles away. Unless, yeah. But because you've had that, you, I think it's, it's hard to be confident in what you do sometimes unless you see some awards. And you sometimes see that it's impossible because you're not seeing that. But when you, when you see that, it's, it's just an illusion in a way. And I think that's a big problem. We we have that when we have we, we, we build these big barriers in our, in front of us. But I don't think it's a I, I don't think it's a barriers. I think it's also about the fact you know I, I I mentioned this bit about you having that self belief, even when people doubt you, even when people don't want to book you, if when people say, "Oh, this is a bizarre act," even when people say, "Oh, by the way, when he came when I saw him, I thought this was going to be a joke act," but actually, within a couple of minutes, people were rolling on the floor. That's what one person said, a comedy promoter said in Birmingham many, many years ago. I was a replacement act and he saw me in uniform and he thought I was just like, um, what's it called? Uh, um, uh, just a joke act, just, you know, just, you know, cabaret. But within a few minutes of, of, of Bonjo opening his mouth, people were rolling on the floor. That was his review. So for me, it's you having that self-belief you having that belief that yes, you know, success or wherever you want to go to in life, Martin, forget comedy, doesn't happen overnight unless you're born with a silver spoon. It can never ever happen overnight unless you're very, very lucky. Yeah. If I didn't enjoy what I was doing, there's no way I was to be talking about comedy after 11 years. No way, but I still enjoy it. It's, it's, it's part and parcel of who I am. So that, 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 if someone said to me in 2018 that I will get a message to say, come and support Regina D. Hunter, when seven years ago I was in a pub performing to four people and dying on my ass in looting, I'd say, get out of here. But you've got to have, you've got to have a picture. This, and this, these, these are the things I'm saying about, about it's not just about being a, a comic. What is your vision? Where are you going with it? What is your, what is your, you know, what, what, where do you see yourself in four or five years time? You've got to have a vision. You've got to say to yourself, okay, fine. This is, this is where I want to go. So I, I, I genuinely didn't, I wasn't even thinking about uh, when I started supporting uh, Regina D. Hunter. My approach was, I wanted to create something different and unique that everyone would talk about and build on that and do my own tours. That's how I felt. Because I knew for the first couple of years, because of the reactions I was getting from the gatekeepers, that I knew that, wow, this is gonna be a challenge, getting them to accept the act. 
Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And only you will know that. Yeah. So there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. If there's nothing wrong, I think for me, it's it's almost like you saying, Oh, I am an open mic comic. Okay. How long do you want to be an open mic comic for? If you Much haven't got longer. the burning, yeah, <laughs> if you don't, if, if, if you don't want, if you don't have the burning desire to move away from the open mic circuit, then you will be there. For if you don't have a plan, if you don't say to yourself, well, I'm good enough now to get off the open mic circuit and get paid gigs, you will constantly be there. Yeah. Well, so you've got to push, you've got to push yourself. What? That is actually one of the one one of the main reasons why why I'm actually in a much what that's that's what the pandemic is actually giving me in a way, because maybe if that did not happen, I would have been stuck in the same mindset. I wouldn't have that time to think because you mentioned a lot of things there. And I read some article on like hustle culture where they yeah. say that you keep chasing gigs, but you don't take step backs to think about things because you can work very hard and you can do things. But if you're doing it the wrong way. What's the fucking point? Yeah, and that's why and that's why they say walk smarter, not harder. You heard that exactly. saying? Yeah. Exactly. For years I was walking like a dog, hard. And then at one point I just said to myself, where am I going with this? Do yourself an exactly. appraisal. Do yourself a review. Yeah, you could be busy. There's busy and there's busy. And then before the pandemic, I knew I I because I, I, I was focusing around the lines, okay, fine. I had this, I had this, you know, I had a plan, you know, from open mic, yeah, middle, middle, headliner, okay, headliner, okay, I'm headlining now, what next? Which clubs do I have to meet, focus on? Boom. Am I better off in the circuit or should I just do festivals? Because, you know, Carter's is, 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 because there's some people who just do festivals. That's all they do. They don't go running around for gigs. They don't go performing gigs in, you know, in comedy clubs. They just do festivals. That's where is, be is best suited for them. There's some people who are just doing corporate gigs. You know what I'm saying? So you need to find, you, you, my view is that you need to find your own, your own niche. Where, where are you best, where's your skills best suited? Because you can't, it's impossible. Because of the way, to, it's, you, you can do all, but it's such a competitive market. And, you know, you can do, you, you know, you, 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 can you, do, I don't know, you, maybe you, you will, but you know, not everyone's gonna do a panel show. Yeah, yeah. No, but now everyone's going to be on Life of the Apollo. Is that the end of your comedy career? No. No. Well, I mean, look at Kevin. Look at some of the... There's many, like, in Game of Thrones, they got quite a lot of comedians that are actors on there. you got some people in The Walking Dead who are actors on there, who, who are comedians, but they're actors. You, and you got Ken Jeong. He's, he, he does comedy, but he's also a big actor as well. And as you said, life takes you wherever you are. And you said that's a big thing with a lot of comedians. Some people, they've adapted to whatever situation present themselves and they've gone with things. Whilst others, they've had a fixed mindset and they let things get on top of them. There have been some really, really positive success stories in terms of the pandemic. Nabil is one. Yeah, the guy who didn't win BGT. You know, he's on tour well now. Yeah, well done. It's that that happened. Good. Yeah, good good news story in terms of pandemic. There are lots of other comics who've been signed up uh, on TV. Do you understand what I'm saying? So every every uh, the, my view is that you turn 
turn a negative into a positive. And it's very, very simple little things from, you know, before the pandemic, I, I never used to do podcasts. Now I've done well over 40 something podcasts. I've had, yeah, 40 guests. I've learned so much from it, it's unbelievable. If the pandemic didn't happen, I probably would still be running around the whole place, gigging every weekend. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But actually, the one year that I haven't gigged, I've had an opportunity to reflect on the act, to reflect on what I need to do next. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like from the podcast, in some podcasts, like in one one hour, I've learned more than in maybe some of the couple of years. Like, like in one 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 interview, one chat with someone, I've I've gained a lot more, and it's been more yeah. useful than yeah. just gigging up and down. Because because when you're gigging up and down, you don't really have the opportunity. Unless you're friends, you don't have the opportunity to share stories. You you you, you get to the gig, you do your gig, you're running away, you move on. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're you're part of the comedy workshop or you're part of a comedy clique or whatever it is. You, you, you know, you just get, you get in your car, boom, you're off. Yeah. Um, so there, there are, there, there are, there, you know, there are, there are lessons, there, there are lessons to be learned. Um, but the key thing for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm ever so, so pleased about it, is this, is this psychological part of the comedy, and what are you as a human being? What were you like before you actually got into comedy? Um, is it, it, it? I well, I'm a bit like yourself in terms of that. In my friend groups, I'm always the funny one. They mm. find me quite funny, and that's and people kept on saying, "Give comedy a go." Well, they mm. like you should give comedy a go, and that's what pushed me to do it. I wouldn't have thought about that until they did that. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing with the podcast as well. When mm. I've been chatting to people, they did. I didn't actually think of doing the podcast. It was actually suggested that I give the podcast a try, and yeah, yeah. then. I um I just went along with it and now like with the podcast I've enjoyed it same reason as you each time I've had someone on I've always gained something mm. and whoever's listening will gain something that they wouldn't have learned before mm. Mm. whoever's and that's that's what it's about they say as one door closes another door opens yeah key thing is having a positive mental attitude yeah, the the, the 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 pandemic might be over. The twenty first of June, restrictions are lifted, hopefully. But it doesn't mean that there isn't going to be something else that we're going to be facing. How you respond to it is what makes you a better person. And for me, if there's anything I can leave with your leave your viewers or listeners, is you know even forget the comedy. There, there are people who've made money out of this pandemic. There are people who become millionaires from this. Now I'm talking about government contracts now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, there are people who actually, you know, online businesses, those organizations who were forward thinking, who had an online business before mm. the pandemic made a killing. What does that, what does that say about, individuals it's about people having foresight people having that forward thinking approach you know having that positive mindset because it's you know if 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 you were one running a business and that pandemic just came over like that 
and you don't get your emotions to check, I'm not saying it's yeah. easy, your business will collapse. Hmm. If you're not thinking about, okay, fine, this is what, what do I need to do next? What's the contingency plan? What do I need to do? Boom, 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 boom. That's why, for example, when the pandemic started and Zoom gigs were being uh, arranged, I heard some people say, oh, I'm not going to be doing Zoom gigs. It's not the same. It became the norm. It became the norm. The hmm. same people who were saying that, oh, I'm not going to do Zoom gigs, were fighting to get on Zoom gigs. Because, like it or not, it was the only way you could test your material. But the most important thing, most important thing is how do you adapt to change? The people who have mastered how to run Zoom gigs or Twitch are the ones who are going to benefit from this, what I call hybrid comedy industry, which includes live comedy shows and people who can get to comedy clubs for one reason or the other or still want to listen to comedy. Exactly. And what you said there is basically a bit like um, someone saying, right, boss man, I, I, I don't like um, KFC hot wings, but like if, if, I mean, we can't always have what we want. If KFC hot wings were the only meal on earth that you could have and you don't like them and you'd have to eat them to survive, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to eat them, aren't you? So like... Yeah. You take, if you have health problems, you just take the fat off and eat a little bit of the chicken on the bone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, human beings are meant to be adaptable. We're meant to be able to adapt to change. Yeah. And yeah, and, that, and, and that's it. That, that's, you know, that's, it's, it's a why, you know, I don't know, I'm having, I don't, I don't know what you were expecting, but, you know, I, I wanted to touch on, things that were outside that, you know, have what I call contributory factors to comedy Yeah. that I feel really, really important. It's, it's really, really an important subject that people need to think about. And I, like I said, if, if there's any newer comics who, or comics who are playing, or anyone trying to get into the comedy industry, if I was running a comedy course, I don't know what comedy courses are like, but that psychology, psychological side of it, Geez, we'll be top on the agenda before yeah. we start talking about write your first joke or tell me about your story. Well, yeah, it's it, no, I do, I do agree with that because there's there's a lot of tell you what, I, I there's a lot of yeah, it's it's basically learning how to deal with things when you go off course or yeah. you don't get what you want. That's that's yeah. what it's about. Yeah. Well, were, were there any more questions? Because I think you said you had you said you had three questions. Well, I had another question, and the other question was because one thing I find quite interesting is when you're doing when you're trying to write material for yourself mm. and the president, and then that, that's that's interesting there because like how how do you um, put it all together? So I, I, I like I said at the, at the very beginning, a lot of what the president does is fictional, so it's much I think it's much harder to write material for the president the right material for myself. And I, 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 tend to se I tend to separate, the, I have to separate the two. There's no two ways about it. Oof. Even though there were times, for example, when I did the, when I did the, um, the president of Wonder Stole My Identity, I had to have stuff about myself in there that wasn't presidential. Okay. And, and that's where at times it could get really, 
um, confusing. However, the pandemic, the break during the pandemic has really made me think about how to position the president. Yeah, and it's, 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 I think it's much easier to do that way. Um, okay. But yeah. But it doesn't help. So it doesn't help when, for example, I remember when I had a gig at Top Secret and I was performing as myself and the MC came to me several times to say, you're performing as yourself, not President Bonjo. Are you sure? I said, yes, I am. He came back again. You're, you're performing as yourself. I said, yes. And then he goes on stage and it's not a complaint. It was just so funny and says, oh, uh, I'd like to bring on President Bonjo. No, no, not President Bonjo. I mean, Benjamin Bellow. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so that was that was that was really really funny. But at the same time, I, I had Benjamin on my head, and yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Okay. Now the only sort of two questions, the only two questions I want to ask now, are what have been some fucked up stories during your comedy comedy journey that that have been good in a bad way and in a hilarious way. Um, it would have to be the night I was um, supporting Regina D. Hunter. So um, we arrived at Aberdeen Airport. There was someone who came to pick me up with the sign, President Bonjo. And I thought, wow. Yeah. And don't forget, you know, like I said, uh, often get criticized for doing the character off, off stage. But this is a good example why you should do it off stage because people want to meet a president and the guy was so pleased. Oh, his excellency. <laughs> and then Regina <laughs> came and then we took, all took a drive to the hotel. Now, when I arrived at the hotel, um, I then went straight into my room. And I have to say to you, I was so excited, really, really excited to see how big the room was. And I totally forgot myself jumping on the bed, screaming, I've made it, I've made it, <laughs> I've made it. And Marvin, I just totally forgot myself and I hit my head on one of the cabinets. <laughs> and my mother, bless her, always said I was very clumsy anyway. So I confirmed that that night that I was really clumsy. And before it was happening, this bit of my head was swollen. And I had a few minutes to go to the theater and go and open for Regina D. Hunter. I looked at my head and because it was a head injury, I genuinely thought, wow, if I report this to the hotel, they will either want to take me to hospital or you know, treat me first aid that's the end of the gig. Yeah, I won't be able to open for Regina D. Hunter. Yeah. And I'm saying to myself, I've waited this long. Look how long it's taking me to get, I've waited this long for this to happen. Yeah. Why would I mess this up? So I wore my army hat, still in pain. It was swelling up. And I said, I'm going, I'm, I'm going, I, I soldiered on. I'm a soldier, I'm a real soldier. Marvin, I'm going to soldier on. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, going, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I have to do this. In pain, but not heavy pain. I arrived at the theater. Regina D. Hunter was practicing. And then he came to me and said, uh, I believe in you, blah, 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 blah. And then he whispered to me, don't fuck this up. <laughs> 550 people were in the room. And I had to open for him. And I was in pain. But as soon as I got on that stage, damn, it felt so good. And for me, <laughs> that is almost like something that started as a negative in the sense that if I, I know that if I had reported that I had a head injury, flipping it, they wouldn't want me to do the gig. But it turned into yeah. a positive because I, you know, for only a few minutes, Twitter gone mad with, with all the tweets about my performance. And it was, it, it was great. So that was, that was, that was one that I'd say, yeah, almost, almost didn't happen because of my excitement. Because <laughs> I was just like a, I was just like a little kid who had just discovered um, chocolates, and I opened it and I saw all this candy and I was just jumping, you know. Because when I was jumping in the room and I hit my head, first thing I said, I'm a, I'm a bloody president of a great nation. Hmm. Why am I jumping? I should be used to this. I should be used to this grand <laughs> you know lovely hotel room and, and, and yeah, it was fantastic so that yeah that's that's My that's God. a lovely story i think that is a that is um i mean that is that's a bit like a movie in a way isn't it your, your, yeah, your I, life could could be a good movie from everything you've said so far oh thank you thank you and i've never i've never ever shared that with a man originally hunter never ever shared it with him it, it yeah it really is a big sort of like a big they had this thing in the film where they create conflicts or big things and you're like, oh God, no. Yeah, and 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 after the gig, I, I went to the hotel manager and I just basically said, oh, this is what happened, blah, 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 blah. And they said they will move the cabinet because apart from the fact that I was jumping, it was just too close, too close to the bed. Uh, but they, 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 they sorted it out. So that's another good thing that happened because you never know, there might be other people who are so excited about, about Staying in their hotel, jumping exactly, yeah. around the whole place. <laughs> but you know, I, I could I have mentioned it at the gig? No, I didn't want to. I just wanted to freak because I was in pain. I just wanted to freeze it out. I just wanted to freeze the whole thing out and just focus on what I was determined to say. Yeah, it, it could be something you bring up at a later gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've never, I've never really got. You know, it's just the pandemic. I've never ever spoken about it on stage. Never. There's never been an opportunity, but I, I know I will. I know I will. Do it at my gig. <laughs> no problem. In July, I'll do it. Remind me. I'll do it. Uh, but yeah, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, man. And just what, what, what I asked you at the end is, what would you like to plug? Oh, so a couple of things. Um, I'm doing Hastings Fringe Festival, um, where I'll be presenting my new show called Stolen. It's in July, so look out for that. Uh, I have a podcast as well. It's called If Comedians Rule the World with President Abonja. I've had 46 episodes. It's been downloaded in 24 countries. And out of those 24 countries, four are dictatorial regimes. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been, it's been a, 
And if it wasn't because of pandemic, I wouldn't have done a, a podcast. But why would you want to uh, listen? It's on YouTube and, and also audio because there are lots of podcasts out there. Uh, but how many dictators are doing podcasts around the world? That is the unique selling point of it all. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter, even though I'm trying to get the hang around. Twitter at Real Abonjo. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I've just joined Clubhouse. Um, yeah. Very fascinating. Uh, this is my third day on Clubhouse, but I've, I've just found it really a fascinating social media platform. I jokingly said that I've met people who I don't know who've given me advice more than the people that I know outside Clubhouse. <laughs> so it's really crazy. It's really crazy, but you know you can get lots of lots of tips. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm on TikTok as well uh, as as President Bonjo and. Uh, doing well there. And I know people have reservations of uh, TikTok, but hear me out. Um, you'd expect TikTok followers to be fans of Justin Timberlake. You don't expect them to be fans of an African dictator. Um, so that's what's happening. <laughs> that's what's happening on TikTok. Um, Brighton Fringe, I'm doing Brighton Fringe Festival. And I'm definitely going to be doing Edinburgh Fringe online uh, in August as part of the free, P free PBH. So there'll be, um, and I'll be doing my show stolen. And uh, yeah, and I've got gigs with Marvin, uh, another yeah. gigs as well. Um, they're coming in thick and fast. But I'm, key thing is, I'm going to enjoy myself this time around. I'm just going to, not that I never enjoyed the first part of my comedy journey, but I'm just going to enjoy, keep enjoying it and see where it takes me. Exactly. Guys. Make sure you follow my dad, all right? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Thank you very I'll, much, I'll speak to you soon and Thank take you. care, my Thank friend. You.